0: welcome this is it we have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose your divine design and what you are wired to do this is patty lynn wyatt please subscribe on youtube or subscribe to girlfriend it so we can be in it together well, welcome to Girlfriended. I'm Patty Lynn Wyatt, and I will be your host today. And today we're chatting about marriages in the US, or is it the decline of marriages in the New, new York? <laughs> I was gonna say New-S, US. Uh, I wanted to say US and New York Times all at the same time, but uh, read an article stating the coronavirus crisis has inspired what seems to be a surge of divorces in the United States. So, hmm, I I'm just curious as to the statistics and the research that has been done. But today we have Kim Wall, and Kim is a Louisiana girl with a deep appreciation for fried okra, and she's a speaker, an author, a pastor, married to another pastor, and you guys uh, are at the River Church on the shores of beautiful Lake Huron in Michigan. And I just want to say welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on the show today, Kim.
1: Thank you. I am super happy to be here. I love Girlfriended.
0: <laughs> I know. You know what? I so appreciate you. You, you are just such a loyal um, advocate of Girlfriended. And so I, you have been on the show before talking about uh, marriage, because that seems to be a little bit of your forte, especially on some of the books that you have authored. And before we go into that whole conversation, I have to find out a little bit more about fried okra, because your <laughs> accent just goes right along with fried okra. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Oh, if you have never had fried okra, it might be manna. It might be what we eat in heaven. Uh, (laughs) There's the manna that the Lord serves us. It is. It's incredible. (laughs) Um, It's, you know, you just cut it up and you bread it with some cornbread and flour and you fry it. You can deep fry it or you can just pan fry it, which is the way my grandmother did it and was my favorite. And it is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I love it. Okay.
0: That's, that's so funny. Cause my, my mom liked fried or okra and we would go to, um, uh, crackers. What's it called? Cracker barrel. Cracker Barrel. Yeah. yeah. And she would always get fried okra at cracker barrel. But on that same, uh, thought process, I bought an air fryer. Do you have one or you do the real? I do, do the, the real,
1: real pre- deal when I do it. I do it the real deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, Got an air fryer and within a month or so, my daughter went and at Walmart, they have a cream, like white with gold trim air fryer. So you can just leave it out on your kitchen counter and it looks beautiful. Ah. So it's one of those things where you're so bummed because you spent this money on an air fryer and then they come out with, you know, they get you that way, right? They just come out with the cuter. A yes, that you can leave you out. You have to upgrade. Yeah, I get oh, yeah. it. Yeah, and I, I refuse. Some things I will, but for the most part, it's like no. I can, I can do this. I can have control. <laughs> I can put it away in a cabinet. Yes. So yeah. So fried okra. That that is funny. So that would be the one food. If you could choose any food that you'd have to eat for the rest of your life, you think you'd pick fried o fr- fried oh. okra.
1: Man, I hate those questions because I feel so trapped. You know, that's the one thing for the rest of your life. My husband likes to ask me those questions. Um, I don't know if I would pick fried okra, but it's definitely in my top five. Definitely. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: See, I I love asking those kind of questions as well. And I would go more with pizza, you know, with all the different toppings, because uh-huh. then you can... Just eat the toppings if you want it. Or just yes. eat cheese if you want it. Or just
1: eat... <laughs> eat the bread if you want it. Yeah. So, See, okay. okay. So usually this is my answer. Um, when Bill will ask me something, you know, like, so if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, I say Italian. He said, That's not a food. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> then it could be lasagna or it could be, you know, pasta salad, or it could be, you know, and I just start naming all these different Italian dishes, which just frustrates him because I really didn't answer his question, but I answered it in such a way for me that it didn't create anxiety. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like how to get around the, the, the answer there. Yes. Well, we are going to chat a little bit about the craziness of the coronavirus and what it is doing to marriages. And, you know, they say, especially this article I was reading, it's increased the domestic pressures, um, mainly because what, you know, at one point in a marriage, you can kind of mask some of the issues because you both go to work and you separate from some of the conflict that you're dealing with. And then you know, after the pandemic, now you're, you're stuck in it, right? You're stuck in the muck. You have to face it. And if you don't have the best coping mechanisms or how to deal with conflict, and especially, you know, if you don't have Christ as a center where you are, you know, going to him together, then there's going to be some craziness that takes place. Then you have the added financial pressures. um, If, if that's something that you're you're dealing with, and then you've lost your job, and and now you, it's spiraling, they're saying that's what a, a lot of the divorces, why there was such a surge. But in the upper class, which I thought this was interesting, um, with you know both wife and and husband are breadwinners. Uh, now they're working in the same house in different rooms on, you know, Zoom or you know, virtual that they were able to deal more with with some of these issues. If not, um, they they were able to as a family come closer together because they weren't running around crazy, you know, trying to get your kids to sports, trying to do this and do that. But there was more pressure, which I thought this was interesting on the woman, because they're doing more with trying to get their kids into school Zoom and staying at home working. And I've seen that with my my own daughter. She just had a a child and she's trying to work as well as take care of a baby. And her husband is actually leaving and going to work so she's on zoom doing all of you know you're you're still trying to accomplish the same deliverables and yet now you have a child put put on uh so you can see the the stress with that so what are your thoughts on that kim what do you think uh that you've seen especially as a counselor and a pastor
1: um, well, first, I, I saw that same article in the New York Times, um, and I thought that it was so interesting because it's very, very revealing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that most of us live our lives at such a fast pace that it doesn't give us space and room to deal with problems that we're having or to realize that we do have communication issues or to realize that we don't know how to disagree or fight if you will um in a healthy way mm-hmm. and and because there's no time you know to we every so often we may just have a blow up and but there's no time to really do anything past that and we're just going to move on because we've got the next thing that we've got to get to it could be work it could be shuttling the kids places it could be to that extracurricular event that the kids are you know involved in or whatever and i think that when the world just stopped all of those things that had captured our attention um, were removed, mm-hmm. and because here, here's what I think it exposed: the one thing that's supposed to capture your attention first and foremost is Jesus Christ. So He's supposed to be the center of everything, and then in partnership with Him, your next priority would be your family. But we live at such a hectic pace that everything else just keeps crowding in and creeping in and and we may say we're doing things for our family but they don't they're not the focus of our attention mm-hmm. you know we're not paying attention to them we're not and we're certainly not paying attention to our spouse because they're an adult they can take care of themselves they can handle whatever's coming their way and I don't have to be as involved with them as I do my children or these other commitments that I have. And when all that stopped, we're not used to those people, especially our husband being uh, the center of our attention. Mm -hmm. And we just had no idea what to do with that. Mm -hmm. And the little things that would bother us, but we could ignore because, well, They're about to leave or I'm about to go or we're going to be doing this anyway or people are going to be here. And, you know, none of that was there to mask those things that annoy us. And then they just became glaringly obvious to us during that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I
0: I think it's interesting when you're you're saying that, that, you know, we just we were in this fast paced life. And are, are you an extrovert
1: or an introvert? I am an um, extroverted introvert. You're so, an introvert. <laughs> I'm an introvert. So, but I do love people, and I enjoy being around people. But I recharge alone. Mm-hmm. People instead of charging me up, people usually drain me after a period of time. Mm-hmm.
0: Because I've I've noticed I'm a high extrovert um, that. If you're an extrovert and you've now been placed in a home where, you know, you really can't get out with people, um, I think that that I've noticed in the, the the last year and a half that for me, then when I do go around people, I'm more uh, second guessing some of the things I do and say, and I find that interesting uh, because you were so confident when you were around people and you would, I just never even thought anything of it. But it, it makes me realize we are depending more on our spouse, or at least I am, and my kids for my entertainment, which I love. I mean, we've spent so much time, you know, playing games and playing cards and getting together just as a family that it, we we never had that opportunity before. and it's a safe place. And so you get very comfortable in that, you know, bubble wrapped little Holy huddle that you have. And you, you have the same values, the same morals, the same ideas. So then when you stretch yourself outside of that, you go, Oh, I hope I didn't offend them. Or I hope yes. I didn't, you know, I'm so used to just saying my thoughts out loud. And I feel that I walk on eggshells more, more, because of the climate of, you know, with the political realm and, and so many other things, even as Christ followers, there's just so many different ideas of you should wear a mask, you shouldn't wear a mask. So that, that's what's been interesting from my perspective.
1: You know, I would really agree with that because um, I think exactly what I was saying about families and particularly your, our, our marriage and how busy and fast paced we are. The same thing was true with our external relationships
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: like we know people and we see people, but we don't really know people and we don't know what they think and feel. And then all of a sudden the climate changed in our culture and everybody became super opinionated about so many things about, you know, supporting different people groups about should you have a vaccine or shouldn't you? Or what do you feel about the virus? Um, mask or no mask? All of those things and, and many others just really created such an intensity mm-hmm. in conversations. And you thought that you knew someone and you thought that you were on the same page. And then you start expressing your view on one of those topics. And you realize, oh, wait a second, because you can see it on their face. Um, we're not on the same page. Right. My view, my view is offending them. And my yeah. view is, is causing a rift in our, uh, you know, or causing some tension yeah. in our relationship. And so you do, you immediately start to change, um, not change your opinion, but just change what you're saying, not just so out there, you start to couch your words a little bit. And then, then you're just not talking about it at all. Yeah. Because you don't know where somebody is. And so I don't want to offend you. And that really is a lot of what mine and Bill's philosophy is, is if I'm going to offend you, I would rather offend you with the gospel than <laughs> offend right. you with with my political persuasions or what my opinions are on healthcare. So yeah. I just don't need to have that conversation with you. So I won't. Um and I'm not, I'm not so sure that that is the best way to handle it but it's the best way at this point that we've come up with because to some degree that is going to limit our ability to know each other um, in community if we don't talk about those things that are important yeah
0: well it's interesting you use the term tension which tension's good right that rubber band that keeps stretching because it stretches us as well And yet tension in in this situation with the pandemic is interesting because you have a conversation, be it, you know, on the phone or on Zoom or just like this virtually. And what in, in a normal situation, then you see that person again next Sunday at church or you see that person again tomorrow at work. And now you don't see that person. So there was tension and you don't go back where you just organically see them in the hallways where you can go, Hey, how's it going? How's your kid? How's this? How's that? And then you have the warmth there and you humanize the situation and you're like, okay, we're good. Well, now we play this narrative in our head that gets spiraled out of control and in, it can either get spiraled in a healthy way, your choice, right? Or it gets spiraled. And I can't believe they gave me that look. And I can't believe that that's, the, you know, where are they that irrational that they believe that way? <laughs> and it's it yes. crazy off of one look. And, it, and I see that even with Marriages, if you don't have the right coping skill, I'm trying to swing it back to marriage because somehow we went off on this other <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. We were talking about marriages. Um, but it's it's the same thing where we play this negative narrative. And, you know, you wrote a book about the complaining cure, how to quit grumbling, stop complaining and find abundant joy. And that works in all aspects of life, right?
1: But let's,
0: let's pull it into marriage. Um, where are you finding that? Because it's, I know for me in the first six months or so with the pandemic, when my whole world switched to traveling all over to doing zoom and day in and day out, you're staring at yourself on a computer. Uh, I was complaining, It was easy to go, because we thought it was just short-lived, right? Oh, in May, I'm going to be able to travel again, thank goodness, because I'm so tired of seeing all the wrinkles on my neck, you know? (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad I'm going to be able to, you know, put something on besides pajama pants, you know? Yeah, yes. And and then you, you had to get a grip on that and start looking and and being grateful for what you had. So what were some of the tips that in this book
1: that we have for our marriage? Well, I I think that a healthy marriage, um, starts with what you think. So what I choose to think about my spouse is going to influence my words and it's going to influence any response that I may have. And it's going to reflect, um, influence my choices and my actions in regards to them so a lot of times we think you know because for us we you know our state was on lockdown for nine weeks so we took all of our gear home and we set up shop in the dining room now Bill and I work together so um we have two campuses so some days I may not even see him because he's at a separate campus um but even if we're at the same campus I still may not see him for several hours at a time because he's in his office. I'm in my office and we're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. But when we came home, here we are in the dining room with all of our stuff set up directly across from each other at the dining room table. And all the things that I'd never had to deal with in working with him. Now I have to deal with because it's right there. And, And even it's just the little things of, you know so he felt like I was too noisy when I clicked on my keyboard, you know, typing. So he put on headphones that had music. And so he couldn't hear any of that. Well, then he started singing. And so, and he's going to sing the tenor part of whatever song he's listening to. Well, that's not necessarily pleasant for me to just hear tenor, you know, as I'm trying to think and work and that kind of stuff. And what I realized is I had to very quickly catch hold of my thoughts about him instead of, you know, oh my gosh, that is so frustrating, Uh, you know, and then he goes to talk to me and he's talking super loud because he has headphones on. So, you know, uh, that's so frustrating. I wish he would do this differently. I wish he would just go into the other room and have this conversation. I had to really get a hold of my thoughts um, and choose not to think negatively about him as he's doing those things that I'm just, that are very normal for him, but they're they're not I'm not accustomed to them. And I think what that revealed is um, as a whole, our society is not really great at communication. And what we tend to do is just internalize everything and think all the things that we shouldn't say, but then try to say something different and try to say something that's supposed to be nice or kind or speak, you know, with gentle words, but in our mind, we're just, our hair's on fire and we're just raging. So my very first tip is, you've got to control your thoughts. Mm. And and what he was doing was legitimately, I didn't like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I love to hear him sing, but not just tenor without all the other parts going on. And not while I'm trying to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, study or have a phone call or, you know, do whatever it is that I was trying to do. And so that required me to have communication. But good communication comes from thoughts that are good. So if I've let all this frustration build up in my mind, then I can't have a good conversation with him that actually accomplishes something. So, you know, then I was going to have to say, all right, so can we can we do this? I I will try to do this differently um, if you want to take your headphones off. But if you don't want to take your headphones off, can we agree that you just won't sing? Can we agree that before you're going to speak, you'll take them off. So you realize you're shouting, you know, that kind of thing. And, and because I didn't let my thoughts just run away with me, then I, and not complain about him in my head That's Mm -hmm. really what I'm getting to complaining about him in my head. Then when I needed to have the conversation about, okay, we're going to have to do this a little bit differently. It doesn't come across as being very frustrating. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: because I didn't complain in my head about him, then I'm not criticizing him. As I'm talking to him about that. Hmm. And, it,
0: you know, it's, I, I like that you gave like the practical, because we can sit there and go, oh, yeah, Philippians 4 8 through 9, you know, realize those thoughts that are, you know, captivating you and make sure that they're this and this and that. But when you give that practical, okay, this is what is going on, it's so true. And I do remember a season in my life where, um, you're not happy with yourself in, and what's going on. So you can uh, get to where your thoughts get frustrated with, you know, your husband, with your kids yeah. and you start, I don't know, fantasizing that maybe you live in the Caribbean, you know, with <laughs> without anybody there, you know, just yeah. relationships Yeah. And, uh when you it does start with you and when you are in that place you come home and it can be as simple as you know they're chewing too loud at the dinner yes, table or yes. i can't believe they wiped their nose and then they grabbed the fork you know it's everything they do is going to put you over the edge and you think yes. it's them and you want to point the finger at them and yet, it is you, and so it, I, I love that. Where it's like, stop it now. Like, yeah. Make sure that you're saying, "Hey, right now, you're you're chewing." Is it's it's not you, it's me. Yes. <laughs> well, I can't handle how loud you're chewing, like, you know. Um, yes. It, it it's just the, those little tiny things, and when you have the coping mechanism, and you you know like you said, it all comes down to being Christ centered, praying first, just giving it over to the Lord, but then allowing him, I mean, we have to do our action. We have to do our part. And I'm sure you've, you've heard people say that too, with women that I'm coaching, where it's like, I, I can't handle it anymore. And, uh, you know, you give them certain tips it's like, I've been praying about this for years and there's, it's not stopping. And at some point, you're like, okay, well, what part are you playing in this Uh, where you have to say, okay, I need to do my action too. It's not just, okay, God, take him away. Like, <laughs> I hope there's a car accident. You know, I heard <laughs> that one time I was like, no, 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 don't pray for that. But get to that point where it's like, I can't divorce him, but you know, if God would just yeah. take him, like, no, yeah. no, no. But it does start with you in your thought process and then speaking out. Absolutely. Not in a complaining way in a solution. Be relentlessly positive and solution focused. Well, we only have a couple minutes, Kim. That went so fast. And the last it five did. minutes we spent on marriage. <laughs> so <laughs> what would be just some great practical tips then if you are in this place where your, even your prayers might be unhealthy as to what you want to do with your spouse.
1: <laughs> I, I think the first thing that would, would be the most beneficial thing is sit down and make a list of all the things that you love about your spouse, what you like about your spouse, and what you enjoy about your spouse. Because um, those can all be different things. Make that list um, because there are, there are things there that you do love and appreciate and value about him. And then think on those things, you know, whatever is good, perfect, true, pure, you know, think on these things. Let's go back to what the scripture says. So if you choose and purpose to shift your mind to the things that you really love, like and enjoy about your spouse and think on them, it tends to set things in perspective. It tends to help you see with a better uh, through through a more healthy lens at your relationship as a whole. And then the things that you do love about him become valuable because they. the more you think about that, the bigger they get and the smaller the negative things get. Um, they are not consuming all of your attention and uh, consuming your thoughts. Mm-hmm. That would be my number one tip. So just summarizing
0: that, uh, make a love list and minimize
1: your issues yes stop thinking so much about the negative and choose to set your thoughts on the things that you do love like and enjoy about him
0: and and once again um making sure that uh it's it does start with you So, Sam, it has been an honor. Thank you for uh, being on the show today. And we are going to have another episode with you on. So everyone stay tuned and go subscribe to Girlfriend It. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.